can have a seat. How's it going this morning? All right. You guys are awake. I like to see it somewhat. Stay awake, though. Right, Connor? <laughs> Poor Connor. Um, so I, I have for you today the dreaded, you all know what this is, right? The dreaded cuff for your blood pressure, right? And um, I'm not going to take anyone's blood pressure. Don't worry. Um, maybe midway through the sermon, we'll see what happens. But uh, um, I, I told you guys uh, a couple months ago, I had my physical. And I went in, and they, of course, a nurse took my blood pressure. And I, had, I was going through a really, really stressful situation a day, and I could just feel, like I never had had high blood pressure before, but I could just feel it, right? And I'm like, oh, this isn't going to go well, right? And sure enough, the nurse and then the doctor, they take my blood pressure, and they're like, yeah, it's way too high. And I have family history, the whole thing. So I'm like, it can't be that bad. So I'm, have you ever found yourself arguing with the doctor over an objective test? Yeah, yeah. It's not a good thing. But anyway, I was uh, not in a bad way. Just kind of like, come on, come on. Like, give me some time. Like, all right, your wife's a nurse. You know, I'll send you home. Follow up in a month, right? So Heather took my blood pressure here and there for that month, and it was also high. So I argued with my wife. <laughs> you must be doing it wrong. You worked on a telemetry floor for about 25 years, but, you know, you don't know how to take blood pressure. So, you know, I go back, and sure enough, I get there, and both the nurse and the doctor, they take it, and they're like, sorry, man, you need medicine, right? And I'm like, but, 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 right, arguing, and I don't want, you know, and they're like, I don't know what to tell you, right? You have an issue. That's what this shows, right? It shows you have an issue to deal with. Um, and so uh, I want to be your spiritual doctor today. You don't want to come to me for medical advice, believe me. Okay, I'll pray for you. That's all I got, all right? Um, but I, one of the things that is like taking your blood pressure spiritually, and there's other things too. One of the things is we'll talk about today, and that is generosity. Now, I could see some of you, you know, oh, man, maybe this is your first week, or you, you invited someone to church. You're like, are you kidding me, Jamie? You're going to talk about that? Money? Calm down. We're all going to survive, right? I don't need to have to take your blood pressure today. You know, you're going to be okay. No, we're not talking today about anyone's bank account or checkbook or anything like that. We're talking about a heart check because our, how generous we are towards others is a direct link to understanding and filling up and understanding and experiencing the great generosity of God. And so if, if we're, and I'm not saying you, you, you might have been generous last year, but if right now you're kind of, you know, we've all had those seasons, it says something about your heart, right, and, and where you are with God. And so it, it, I want us to let the Holy Spirit just kind of check our heart and be honest. Isn't that refreshing to just be honest? God knows anyway, right, that they're like, I'm not trusting him right now. Let's pray. Lord, um, you've brought us here for a purpose, and I thank you so much for uh, your word, your truth. Lord, I thank you for every soul in this room and joining us online that you've made in your image, that, that you, oh God, are the most generous God there could ever possibly be. And so, Lord, I pray that we would experience that afresh today, that, Lord, as you check our hearts, if we are in a great place, that you would give us the strength and encouragement to keep going and could keep trusting you. But those of us that maybe we're just in a not so great place of trusting you right now, that you would show us that and show us your mercy, show us your, your amazing grace 
um, and bring us back to your feet um, and, and, to, and trusting you and you alone. We give this time over to you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. All right, so we are, this is where we left off. I'll put it on the screen, so no worries, but if you are following along in your Bible, um, it is uh, Acts eleven twenty seven. Very Only a few verses today. Should be a quick sermon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so just a few verses, but um, it, it, it brings up this important topic. Uh, and if you were with us last week, we, we've seen this mission, this, this mission that was impossible, made possible. It's now come to the most pagan places, right? Like people, they never heard. It's not like just Jewish people that now understand that Jesus is the Christ. This is, this is Antioch, 300 miles north of Jerusalem. Like they never heard of the God of Abraham. They never heard of the God of Isaac. They never heard of who David is. They didn't know any of that, right? But now they know Jesus and the place is exploding, the gospel. And they, the Jerusalem church sends Barnabas. Barnabas is so encouraged, he goes and gets Saul from, uh, from Tarsus. And now for a whole year, they're teaching and preaching and sharing and evangelizing and encouraging and all of that. It's in that time that Luke tells us something specific happened. That's verse 27. He says, Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Right? So Paul had laid out for us another that there are specific offices in the church, and one of them was the office of the prophet. And, and in that, they come from Jerusalem. One of them, he says, one of them named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This put, took place in the days of Claudius. So very historic. Um, they, they come from Jerusalem and they tell the people in Antioch that, that there's going to be this famine, right? But it hasn't happened yet. So think about that. It hasn't happened yet, but it's going to, and that's going to cause major economic problems. Now, Agabus uh, is going to be found to be right, but at this time, they didn't know that. But under, it's historical, you can read, you know, Josephus, other historians of that time period, that in the days of Claudius, there were many crop fails and major economic problems in different spots because of it, including Judea and, and, and Jerusalem. And we also, by the way, Agabus is found again in Acts chapter 21 when he's telling Paul, hey, if you go to the temple, it's not going to go well. And Paul, of course, did, and it didn't go well. So Agabus definitely found to be a true prophet. And so they, they tell him this, and so the church of Antioch has to decide what they're going to do about this. All right, so let's, let's see what they do. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So I, it's a brief summary. But it's, but it's, it, it, it's got to be like the, the church kind of got together. They hear this. And keep in mind something. That, that, that uh, some of the people in, in Antioch had been driven out of Jerusalem, so they knew that church. They knew those people. Most of them, though, didn't. It's 300 miles away. That's a long, long ways back then, right? And, and so I don't know those people, and that famine hasn't happened yet. So they have to decide what to do. And so they, uh, obviously the leaders probably talk. Barnabas and Saul kind of talk. They pray. Some of them probably fasted. I don't know. But they, they really ask God what to do. And as a church, right, they push the generosity into the table, right? And, 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 and it, it just says as each one, right, as, as each determined. Now, so that just means it was to, what they didn't do is a 50-50 raffle. You know what I mean? Oh, it's like, well, I'll, I'll pay. Maybe I'll win some money. That's not what this church did. They didn't have a, a, a food bazaar. They didn't do a fundraiser. They said, hey, pray, give. Let's see what God does. 
So for one person, a sacrificial gift might have been 50 cents, and the next person, it was several hundred dollars. It really depended on their position. It was all about saying, I love my brothers and sisters. But here's the thing. It hasn't happened yet, and I might not even know those people. I let them take care of themselves. They could have had that attitude. But instead, you see, generosity wins the day. I believe it was a huge amount. They don't tell us, right? But I don't think Barnabas and Saul themselves are going to bring a bag full of pennies. I just don't think they're going to do it. Maybe it's a waste of our time. But this amount that they collected was so big that Barnabas and Saul take it themselves to Jerusalem. Even though they risked, maybe is this even going to be necessary? Who are these people? I remember uh, several years ago, as a church, our church, um, we, we voted to, for the monies to build out this platform. As you can see, it was made for a different time period, and we have no room up here. And I hope soon we'll be able to do that. But we voted for that it was years ago. As you can see, it didn't happen. What happened is in the same time, we received a letter from one of our missionaries in the Philippines. And they were starting this new thing, uh, and it was going to cost quite a bit of money. And, and our elders prayed, and we discussed, and we prayed, and we said, hey, let's ask the church to take that money and approve to send it all to them. And just give it. And so the church unanimously approves that. So we send it out to this. Great thing, right? We find out a few months later that that mission, like, it went defunct. There was a lot of personal issues that happened, and all of a sudden they were done. And, and we're left going, did, did we make a mistake there? Did we, not, right, did we not do the right thing? Maybe we should have, right? And, and my answer to that is when you are with wisdom and you're prayerful and you're, you, 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 you listen to God and then you are over the top generous, that's never a mistake. That God does something with that and we still don't know what he did, how he did it. And what I do know is he grew even more that was already here, a spirit of generosity in this church that has been nothing but grow since then. The, the idea of, yeah, even if I think I need something myself, nothing wrong with a bigger platform at all, right? But they need more. And to, and to just, because generosity spreads. Selfishness stays planted. But generosity spreads. So the question about this church of Antioch that I want to ask is why? Like, why did they hear that from Agabus and say, we're going to do it? What's the source of Christian generosity? And so the point is, is that generosity is an overflow of our heart. This isn't about like gutting it out and just giving a little bit more and going, that's my obligation. No. That you'll run dry. So if you've been with us any length of time and you see a point from Jamie says overflow, you know what's coming. A classic water illustration, right? That's what uh, my friend Everett Hava, who's now a freshman in college, I texted him a picture yesterday and said, classic water illustration. He's like, oh, those are my favorite. So uh, here we go. Try not to get it tangled up. I want you to think, right, like if this is your life and there's actually a little bit left over from the service of water. And that water represents um, experiencing the generosity and love of God. And so if I were to preach hellfire and brimstone and you people got to give more, you know, that kind of thing, they may have their time and place. I don't find them very effective. But what would maybe happen is out of guilt, right, and out of this little bit, you might find them like an extra couple bucks and throw it in the box or give it to your neighbor or do something with it because you just feel, right? And you're just, it's like, we're just wringing you dry. You got nothing in there. That's not how it works. 
You see, generosity is an overflow, right? So that the as I, in my life, as I experience and remember and understand the goodness and the generosity that God has for me, I fill and fill and what happens, right? I really thought this was going to go better, but it's, you know. But it's a good illustration because this is your life. You're not thinking, oh, I got to do this. I gotta. You're just doing it because you're overflowing with God's generosity and it just goes to others. And, and so that's how I want you to look at it. You see, the medicine, uh, the, like I had to go on medicine for high blood pressure. If God checks your heart today and you're like, oh, yeah, to be honest, this isn't my most generous time period of my life. Because of this or that or this or that. And, and, and instead, w- w- what you need to understand is the solution, the medicine, has nothing to do with your pocketbook or your resources. has everything to do with your heart for God. And it's showing there's something wrong. It's, it's displaying an issue, and that is the medicine. This is how the Apostle John put it in his first letter, chapter 3. He said, by this we know love. This is how we know and understand love. That he, meaning Jesus, laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, for the brothers. So, so he, uh, he, he's saying, look, we should lay our lives down for each other like the church of Antioch, like we do often. That doesn't mean, yeah, the ultimate sacrifice is to die for someone, right? But, but he's saying on a daily basis, you're, you're laying your life down, right? You're, you're bursting forth with generosity. How do you do that? Why do you do that? John tells us. This is how we know love. We fill up on the fact, the understanding that Jesus laid his life down for us. No matter how much you have preached that to yourself, we can so easily kind of be like, yeah, but what else? What else? Right, that, that, that he's saying, I love how he phrases it, right, that Jesus laid down. That means he purposefully chose in his perfection, sinlessness, righteousness, not deserving for one second that cross, he chooses to lay his life down for me, for you. He chooses the Bible says he laid his life down for us while we were sinners. He didn't say, Jamie, you know what? A lot of potential in you, man. Just got to get you across the finish line. I'm going to die for you. That's not how it works. He died for me while I was lost and in rebellion of sin. While the shame was the darkest and worst, he died for me. He laid his life down. Same for you. Right? He didn't die for you, and he's like, oh, man, you're doing pretty well. It's time for you to, to take the next step. No. He died for you while you were lost in that lust, in that adultery, in that pornography, in the drugs and alcohol, in the selfishness, in the lying, in the shame, and, and, and no interest in God, no desire for God. That's when he died for you. Why is that so important when we're talking about this? Is you will never outgive God. You will never outgive God. Think about the gift of salvation that you do not deserve. And what we can do if we've been Christians for a while is start to think we've kind of deserved that, earned it a little bit, and forget that everything you have is by the goodness of God. Everything is by his grace and mercy. Maybe you're here and this isn't about generosity. You just need to understand this, that you have a God who loves you so much he gave his only son to die in your place. You deserve judgment. You deserve, because of your sin, he's taken it all. Like we just sang, forgiven, freed from all of it. Not because I deserve it, but because he loves me. 
He's generous. It's out of that love, right, that John teaches us. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet chooses his heart, his, his, or closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. See, it's easy for me to stand up here and say, we love God and we love people. <laughs> as long as it's vague masses of people, I can love them, right? But that person, that person I was behind coming to church today and they were going so slow. Why don't they know how to use their blinker? I don't get it. It's just a quick, it's just easy. Just get, right? Can I love that person? Not out of the overflow of my heart, but out of the overflow of God's heart for me. See, it's a measuring stick. When I'm generous towards others, it's because I more and more understand the generosity God has for me. If I don't, or if somehow lost sight of that, right, then I'm going to run dry, and of course I'm not going to be generous to someone else. And so that's why it's, it's so important. The medicine for this is to go back to the foot of the cross or maybe for you the very first time and recognize you need salvation in Christ. You're not going to be able to do it. And if you've already done that, you just remember, this is who I was. This is a God who loved me that much. This is a God who's blessed me with, and, and go through all that God has done. Right? Sing it. Preach it to yourself every day. Swim in the river of the gospel. Don't ever tire of the gospel because that's your medicine. The more you grasp that, the more you understand that, generosity will spill because they're always linked. We're never understanding the grace of God in our lives and holding stuff away from people. It never works that way. And so as we get to the hard part of this, the checkup, right, the, the, the spiritual cuff, the Holy Spirit might uh, examine us. Generosity is a checkup for our heart. Right, if, you, if, no, if you have the most beautiful sinks and accessories in your house and the water ain't coming out, right, and, you, and your pump's fine, everything else is fine, guess what? The water has run dry. Right? And the same thing can happen in our lives. If no generosity's coming out, there's a problem with the source. And so that's what it is. It's a checkup. And I don't know um, where you're at, um, for one person, generosity is a dollar. That's all they got. All right, Jesus said that about the widow with a little bit of money. He said, man, she gave all she had. She's way more generous than you people. All right, it's all about what, as God weighs into my heart. Anybody can talk a good game. The question is, are we living a good game? Paul wrote to his protege, Timothy, speaking of this. And, and he, Timothy was in Ephesus, and he was helping a church there. And Paul wrote to him, and this is what he said. But those who desire to be rich, desire to be rich. You could be the poorest person in the world. I hope you're not. But you could be. And you could still fall into this. Because it's all about the desire. It doesn't mean you are. Fall into temptation, into a snare, like a trap, right? Into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Like, what a warning. Like, I don't know about any of uh, you, but I don't want ruin and destruction in my life. He's saying what leads us there is the illusion of if I just have more, if I can just have more money, if I can just have more of those resources, I'll, be, I'll be, have more pleasure, comfort, safety, security, right? All of those things. It's, a, it's, like, it's like a trap. Anyone have mouse traps in your house? Go ahead. It's a safe place, you know? I don't. I care for the mice. Okay, you're better than us. It's fine. 
We actually have them in the church, right? Because this is an old, old building, so they like to crawl in. The other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, it was like one of those dark, rainy mornings, and I, was, I think there was one other person in the building, and I went downstairs, and I, it was dark, and I walked around the corner, and all of a sudden, our exterminator was there. He looked like the guy from Ghostbusters, you know? I'm like, whoa, it's Dan Aykroyd. No, I don't know. It's for the kids in the room. You don't know what that means. It's okay. It's okay. Google it. Um, not now, though. And, and, and so I see this guy. I'm like, whoa, right? And he goes, hey, I just caught like 10 mice. I'm like, by your hands? No. In the traps, right? And I just set more. When you set traps or you're a hunter or something like that, you don't set something that, that, that causes the, the, the animal to run away, right? It lures you. Ooh, cheese, peanut butter, I don't know, whatever you do, right? That, that's the same way Paul says with the love, because it's not just having the cash, it's what I can earn, what I can have with that. I'll, I'll be happy, and I'll be healthy, and I'll be, do you know rich people? Are they happy? Some are, because they understand their trust isn't in their wealth. If they think their trust is in their wealth, they're never happy. It's never, ever enough. It's an illusion. And what Paul says is it traps you. It traps you with things like, um, like selfishness. I got to clutch on. The more you have, you ever notice that? The more you have, the more you're like, build the walls, right? I can prove it to you. Remember the car you drove in college? Had two different colors, a dent in the door. You remember that? When you pulled into the, into the mall, you, you got the closest spot. You didn't care if someone opened their door and hit your car. Well, who cares? But when you bought that brand new car, you're now in the back of the parking lot, parked at an angle so you take up seven spots. God forbid someone bumps into your brand new Honda Civic, you know? Because it, when it's new, it's like, I've got to protect it. It's just human nature, right? And, and, and so it's a lure of desire. It's a lure of, of thinking I have security until the doctor gives you the prognosis, the police officer's at your house that night because if something happened. Uh, your boss calls you into your office, right? These things money can do nothing about. And so it's a lure of if I just have, and if that's our attitude, Paul says it brings us to ruin because it's not how God made you. He made you to trust him, not your stuff. He'll give you stuff, but are you trusting him? Right, he, he says, so the result of that, he says to Timothy, for the love, anyone ever heard this verse? Ever ever heard it misquoted? For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. I can almost sense the tears of Paul as he writes this, right? Oh, they're walking away from the truth because they're, they're uh, the illusion of stuff and resources. It's not, you might have heard it misquoted, right? Money is the root of all evil, a lot of times people say. First of all, two of those two things are wrong. It's the love of money. Money is just a tool. You can do amazing things with it. You can do terrible things with it, right? It's just a tool. Money itself is not the root of evil. It is the love of money. So again, you could be poor and still fall into this. And you could be rich and you don't because you're not pursuing money as your great love. He's saying it's the root of all kinds. That's the second way it's often misquoted. There's plenty of other things that lead us into sin, right? But money and the love of it is a huge one. It says it, it, it's the root of all kinds of evil, all right? And, and so when he, when he, um, he I'm going to skip a few verses, but he, he's, he's talking about anyone who might pursue wealth. He now turns to those who actually have wealth. Look, he says, as for the rich in this present age, what does he mean by that? 
this life, right? This present age. You got a, a portfolio, you got a bank accounts, you got cars, you got a home. By the way, if you were to measure wealth, and maybe you've heard this before and it's hard to believe, but if you measure it worldwide, you're amongst the richest people in the world. I know you don't feel that way, neither do I, but you are. That's just a, that's just a fact, right? So he's like, if you're rich in this present age, charge them, Timothy, please tell them not to be haughty or prideful, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. It is everything you have from God. Well, I earned that, Pastor. I, of course you earned it. With the body God gave you, with the oxygen you breathe God gave you, with the mind God gave you, with the abilities that you can do that other people can't do, that God gave you, with the work ethic that God, all of those things God gave you. Praise God you worked hard. I'm glad you should. But God gave you everything is a gift. Right, so let me finish his thought, and then I'll show you what he's saying. Because he says, if you're rich in this present age, that's one thing. Don't be prideful, but set your hope on, on, on not those riches, but on God, right? He says, this is what I wanted to tell them, Timothy. They are to do good. Look at this. This is this play on words. To be rich in good works. To be generous and ready to share. Thus what? Storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So he's saying, you can invest in the riches of this age or the next. So I had to bring out our rope of hope, okay? So you can see this. Try not to not, um, but this could go ugly. Just pray. All right. So if you've never seen this, this, this is our church mascot. It's called the rope of hope. And it represents your life, okay? It represents your life. And, and the reason I have it all the way back there, it's, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. There's a beginning but no end. So when Paul says this age, he's talking about the green tape, which shouldn't be this big. It should be like speck in comparison to eternity, right? But this is where all of our cares are. This is where we're trying to earn the extra buck. This is where we're trying to put our hopes in the riches, right, and clutching on it all happens here. And he's saying what you need to do is invest here. Because we all know, whatever you make here, guess what's going to happen? It's going to rot, rust, give it to someone who shouldn't have it. Your kids? No, I'm just kidding. Right? Or sold at a tag sale, yard sale, garage sale, depending on what region of the country you're from, right? That's what's going to happen to it all. You ain't taking it with you. But what are you taking with you? You are storing up something that you will have forever, and that is generosity. The love of God spilled out from us to others. Paul's saying, man, put your focus on that. It's fine if you have stuff. It's okay. God gave it to you. Don't be ashamed of that. It's just money. He's saying, don't put your stock in that. Put your faith in God. Whatever might happen to you, God can be trusted. Because this is about eternity. And so as the Spirit digs in a little bit, it's a checkup for our hearts. It's asking the question, God, where am I at? Right now. Not what did you do last year, but right now. Because it's not a streamline. I wish I could tell you that when I came to Christ in my college years, and my early adult years, as I began to learn and grow, that I just took off and I was the most generous person you've ever seen and it's never stopped. I wish I could tell you that, but guess what? That would be a lie. I mean, it's, it was a struggle for me early on. 
Well, Heather and I, we were married a year. We lived in an apartment in Framingham, and that was fine. And then um, we did something that I still think was foolish. God just blessed it because he's God. We bought a house. We had no savings for a house, no plan to get a house. My wife just wanted a house. Don't tell her I said that, all right? And so we did, and, 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 and she was a nurse, so thankfully she actually made some profit. I was working in a college in a Boston uh, medical area and making $25,000 a year. Last night I said an hour, and everyone's like, whoa, no wonder why college is so expensive, right? No, I made enough money to commute to work. That's about it, okay? And so I'm watching our savings account dwindle and dwindle. You ever been there? Don't, don't raise your hand because it's embarrassing, I know. I mean, you're just like, oh, what are we going to do? So here's what happened to my heart. Right, here's what happened. I started to close in. Started to close in. Well, I, I, I don't need to write a check to, to the church or to that, that mission that we're supporting. I don't, like, this is my time to take, I, right, because I need, I need it for myself. I'm not saying those times don't exist. I'm just saying my heart attitude wasn't good. And through, I don't know if it was a sermon, it was 20, over 20 years ago now. I don't know if it was a sermon, a passage I read, or what, but just God convicted, are you, Jamie, going to trust me with your life or trust you? Well, if you're going to put it that way, you know. And so I began to, not perfectly, said, all right, I'm going to trust you, God. Right around that time, I got a new job. In the money, baby. $9,000 a year raise. Woo! But it was just enough. Meet our needs, a little extra, so that Heather could buy some new baskets to decorate the kitchen, you know, or whatever we were doing. <laughs> Don't tell her I said any of this, all right? She was a deny. And, 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 and right, so it was good. Until, I still remember this, man. I was uh, traveling for business. I was in a hotel room, and Heather called me, and she said, hey, you remember when that check engine light came on? <sighs> right, you know what I'm saying, right? And... Um, we all hate that, except for our mechanics in the room. <clears throat> Looking at you, Josh. Because uh, it means money for you, right? So, so she took it to Steve Bloom down the road. We've loved Steve for years. Um, but unfortunately, he had the bad news to tell Heather that, uh, hey, there was a crack in something, and some fluid went from somewhere to somewhere it wasn't supposed to be. I'm sure he said something more mechanical than that. That's what I heard. And what I really heard was it's going to cost two grand to fix. And that was over 20 years ago, so... So basically, I was planning to go into Steve and to tell him that we are now his indentured servants for the next seven years. And, uh, and when we went in to pay, he said, hey, uh, a couple, wanna, they want to remain anonymous. They paid $1,000 of your bill. And it was tremendously generous. Of course, my first question is, who? Yeah, you're all just as curious as me, right? You want to know who. So I'm a pretty good investigator. So I figured out. They, stopped, they wanted to remain anonymous, but um, the statute of limitations are up. So Tom and Chris Dion, who are here right now, don't clap for them. It was too long ago, all right? No. But they did that. The reason I want to bring that up and actually mention them, right, is they could have, right? Let me get the rope out again. They could have taken that money and had some kind of fun or experience or more security or whatever, and that would have been fine, right? It was their money, and that would have been all here. And then that money long, long, long gone. Gone, right? That experience is gone. Whatever would be gone. But what they did do is still with us. I'm preaching about it right now. It inspired Heather and I over the years when God blessed us with extra money to say, hey, let's be gentle. Like I said, generosity grows. It spreads. Selfishness stays planted right where you're at. And, and so it will continue into eternity because it's storing up riches in heaven. Right, and on and on it goes, right? And so I just want to tell you, right? I know, 
I've been talking to you. It's going to be a tough winter. Have you looked at the heating bill yet? Some of you just got a real ugly look on your face. I'm sorry about that. But here's what I said. And you might be like, it's his fault. It's their fault. It's this fault. We should be doing this. And I get it. All that might be true. Do you want to live your life the next, you know, several months like this? Red-faced, fist-waving. Is that what you want to do? Or do you want to just trust God? You still, people are going to be, I just trust God. Be generous where you can, whatever that is for you, and trust him. There's going to be a lot more peace with that. Trust me on that. We uh, end with this, this point, and this just kind of sums it up, that the heart check shows us, generosity shows us, that if God is our ultimate delight, is God my ultimate? I can say it is. <laughs> I can say it is. I can stand up here as a pastor and say, yes, of course. But generosity will show that. I'll be honest. I tell you all the time. I don't stand up here as the guy who knows it all, bestowing my wisdom on you. I'm, I was super convicted by it this week. I've had periods of great generosity in my life. Right now, I don't think it's been one of them. Just being honest. It hasn't been horrible. This just hasn't been great. So I'm like, all right, what is that saying about? That's not good. Right? But go back to the foot of the cross. That's not, it's not guilt. It's grace. To understand who God is, how, how much he still loves me. And man, the more I experience that, the more, right, like, it'll spill out. That's your medicine. I'm not telling you to get out anything that's remotely money. I'm telling you to go to the foot of the cross and say, God, who are you again? Sing it. Preach it. And man, he will work through you. And most of you know that. I've had, um, the reason I, I don't have to do sermon series on money and all that is because I've had the front row seat for 15 years of some, and I'm not building you up, I'm not lying, some of the most generous people I could ever possibly meet. Like the things, I've had people give me, hand me uh, uh, an envelope of cash and say, hey, I don't want them to know, but I want to give that to that family. First of all, I have no idea why you're trusting me with an envelope of cash, no idea. Not even because I'm going to spend it. It's a good chance I'm going to lose it. What, have you seen my office, right? But thank you. I, I, I've tried to take that. I do it immediately. Man, this isn't good. I've seen the thing. We were talking at our staff meeting Tuesday. I was like, guys, we have so many different things we're collecting for right now. we got to, like, be clear. Everyone's just going to be like, what? But I think that's a beautiful thing, right? The shoebox ministry. Maybe for you, generosity is like just maybe you've already done a couple boxes. You're going to do one, right? Just one more. Maybe you can do that. Right? Maybe it's, it's something bigger. We have a couple because of our Worcester outreach. They want to remain anonymous, and I'll give them 20 years, and then I'll out them, all right? Um, they they uh, are buying a $5,000 trailer for our ministry. And, and they're just like, they can do that. That's for them, right? Maybe, like, we have the Haven collection. I know when you see Chef Boyardee, you're like, that's bad for them. I'm not buying that. I get it. Let's trust the people who know them best, and just that's what they want. So let's give it to them. We have the Samaritan Fund collection right now. Like We've already, I think, got like 1200 bucks, and, and, and that was just one weekend, and we were going to buy uh, our elementary preschool in our town outside recess equipment because it's pretty, pretty shoddy. And, and we're, gonna, we're just going to do it. Why? You weird church people? Yeah. Everybody's weird. We're just weird for Jesus. That's all, right? And, and you know, in a little bit you're going to see we're going to collect for homeless veterans. What a beautiful ministry that's going to be. Like on and on it goes. I, it's just... Uh, opportunities for us to let the overflow of God's love and share it with others. That's all. Making a meal is huge. You know, don't make one of those cheap meals. Make those, you know, the filet, especially if you sign up to get me a meal, all right? No. So the, 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 to, to cap it off is generosity shows if God is our ultimate delight. 
And I want us to just ask God to show us where we're at right now. And if you feel a little conviction, that's always a beautiful thing. And if you're feeling like you're in a really generous uh, time in your life, then just keep going. If you're young, I want to tell you this, because and I meant to say this earlier. If you're like, well, this doesn't apply to me. I don't like have a big job. or anything. It does. It's not about amount. It's about your heart. Train yourself now to say, I'm going to push it out. I'm going to give. I'm going to help. Because it's never going to be a point in your life where you have enough and you're like, okay, now I can be generous. It doesn't ever work that way. So, so start now. If it's a 30 cents because that's all you got, great. It's about your heart for God. That's what it's about. So train yourself now. Learn that discipline now. All right, so I'm going to pray for us to let, let God uh, reveal to us um, where we're at. Father, I, 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 I thank you that you looked upon us, me included, especially me, and in our sin, you chose to send your son to die in our place. Jesus, you laid your life down for us. Father, I pray if there's anyone who came in here and is not knowing that or knowing it, but never truly laying their yes of faith down to understand that they'll never be able to outgive you, God. That you are the most generous, loving, gracious God we could ever possibly fathom. We will be praising you for all of eternity because of it. Would you reveal that? Open the eyes of faith to whatever person or persons that needs to just completely surrender to you, Jesus. We trust you to do that work. Father, for those who are in a tough spot right now, and it's hard to be generous, would you just, sw- just wash over them your grace? Lord, would you just show them little by little that they can trust you and they can still be generous. Maybe to them it might seem small, but to you it's a beautiful thing. Father, show us as a church how to continually, like that church in Antioch, be a church that pushes our resources out to show your love to them. Give us ideas, give us wisdom, give us courage that we might invest in your kingdom, Lord, for our eternity. Thank you, God. It's in Jesus' name, his precious and holy name, we pray. Amen. If you can and and want to, would you stand with us as we sing praises to our